I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale, and good to meet you all today, if I haven't met you already. Normally, our praise band at 9.30, when they're done singing, they leave, and these folks weren't leaving, so I thought, maybe some more music coming that I don't know about, which I'd have been fine with. It's great music. Appreciate it so much. Worship today. Looking at the gospel according to Disney. Uh, a great way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, we believe it is. Uh, we, we know that when Jesus shared the kingdom of God, he told stories about his world, parables, parables, illustrations of his time and his season, his culture. Uh, our culture is kind of a Disney culture, so we're bringing that to the table as well, sharing the same timeless truths that Jesus taught. So we're excited about that. That's one of the ways we're doing it today, again, again the gospel according to Disney. Now, I'm going to read for you 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 through 21, and we're going to talk a while about Mary Poppins. That's the uh, Disney uh, movie we're looking at today, so hear these words of Scripture, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, And gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. That we might become the righteousness of God. In him. Again, looking at Disney today, especially Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins is a, really one of the first of its kind as a movie, the way Disney did it, where he had not animation but real actors, but integrated some animation into it. If you have seen the movie, you're, you might think penguins remind you about how they interact with the real characters that are in that movie. It was made in 1964. I saw it in the theater with my family when I was 11 years old. So you know exactly how old I am. This year, the movie turns 50 years old. Right now, the movie was out, had just come out for that summer blockbuster season, and it was the blockbuster of the year. 50 years ago, Mary Poppins. How many have seen Mary Poppins? Okay. I imagine one or two might not have, but most of you will have. Uh, the, the money that Mary Poppins made was used for a special purpose that really transformed America. Mary may not know what the money was used for because it made a ton of money. It purchased the land Disney World is on today. Uh, Disney used the, 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 the profit for that purpose, and I know you've probably been there or heard about it. That's where it comes from. The little girl that played in the movie, uh, who played the, the Jane Banks character, says an adult... You saw a lot of joy in that movie. That's a joy we felt when we were making it as little kids. I like that connection. You don't always hear that about movies, that there's joy in the making of it, but they experienced joy. It was fun to tell that story of transformative uh, life and change, and it's about really a father being transformed. I'll say more about that here in a second. The stars, you probably know. Uh, Mary Poppins was played by uh, who? Julie Andrews. And who played Bert, the other big character? Dick Van Dyke, who, by the way, uh, was voted the worst Cockney accent in history, uh, was his. The worst accent of any movie, uh, along with uh, Kevin Costner with uh, Robin Hood, are the two worst accents ever, was was his in that movie. 
Uh, but the character, but the, the movie's not about really Mary Poppins. It's really about George Banks, a father, a father who has experience as a very disconnected family authority, who is transformed into a fully engaged family man. That's what the story really is about. Things you might remember about the movie, of course, the song, A Spoonful of Sugar Makes a Medicine Go Down. You've probably heard that one. And the word, there's a word that is in the dictionary. It was on my spell check when I started typing it out. It just typed it out for me. So that's something when it's on uh, Microsoft spell check. And that word is supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. It's amazing a word like that's become a part of the American uh, kind of frame of reference culturally. But it has. And it's why? Not because of movie, the songs were, were cool songs or because there was animation or because there were penguins running around or because somebody had a bad Cockney accent. That wasn't why. It's because the story touches our hearts. Someone's life can be transformed and changed. Someone can be saved. A family can be saved. A dad can be saved. That's why we like it. It's not about the umbrella. It's about you and me and why we love them so and why we're drawn to church this morning to kind of address some of these things and touch them and, and feel them and know them and experience them. That's how it works. Well, here is a scripture I'm going to share again, only from the message translation, the same words you heard, verse 17, a while ago. Hear it in a different way. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start and is created new. The old life is gone and the new life burgeoned. Mary Poppins is about a father who messes it up and he finally gets it. Christian life is about people who mess it up and finally get it. And that factor is not Mary Poppins who flies in on an umbrella in the wind and who flies out later on, who intervenes very well in the story, but Christ who comes into our lives and changes our story in a remarkable way. The illustration is clear. Hope you get it and see that today. Well, there are four things I believe we can connect with from this story and from the biblical text. We have a message page. You're always welcome to kind of follow along, take notes, and take that back with you. I, I always worry that we hear things that may strike us, but we don't do anything about them. So those words are for you to write that down and say, I'm going to do something about this one. So that's why we put that to message page there for you. Well, the four things is this. First, we start with this idea. The idea is not to discover an easier life, but a better one. And that's a powerful thought for me because we naturally are drawn to what we know. The easiest life is the life that we know. The easiest life is the one we're familiar with, the one we're living, the habits of life, the experiences of life, and simply living that out day by day without any change or transformation or new. So we are drawn really toward the easy life. It's very human to be drawn that way. The divine is drawing us instead toward the better life, the life defined by the kingdom of God, the teaching of Jesus Christ, things we learn from a movie that strike our heart, that come from this very same place for you and me, the core of what we care about, the the living in Christ. Corinthians talks about the reconciled life was verbalized in more of a theological way. Living in Christ, experiencing Christ, knowing what he teaches us, living that out, being transformed by it, and the word is reconciled, and that means made new. The old is gone, the new has come. 
So that's the beginning thought that I have for you today. Think about how the divine Christ, and how the movie illustrates that, draws us toward a better life and not our natural inclination toward the easier life. Easier life may be difficult many times, but it's a life we know. It's a life we're familiar with. It's a life we're living now. It's the patterns that we live out day by day. And so we kind of get caught up in that, and we have difficulty changing that pattern. It's very human. And so we're looking at something different than that with the idea of the better life we we move toward. Secondly, the idea is not to live where we do everything, but to do the right thing. Now, for me, that's a kind of a cultural thing. I think that in our culture, we feel like we must have to have no choice but to do everything. I think that, we think that, most of us think that. Our life can be consumed by, I've got to do everything or I'm going to miss something. I won't experience life the way that it should be. My kids are going to miss something. And so we look for everything and sometimes leave out the right thing. It's not about experiencing life. It's about walking with God. And walking with God reflects a life that serves, loves, gives, and family, and marriage, and friendships, and church life, and serving our community, and meaningful and eternal choices that we make. And so it's, again, refocusing what life can be. It's walking with God. As I walk with God, it opens up to things I would never see or know otherwise. So instead of thinking I've got to do everything and somehow that's going to result in something good, looking for the right thing and knowing that and knowing that's going to result in something good. And that again takes intentional focus. The Bible teaches us that. Christ examples that. Mary Poppins' story illustrates that. This disengaged, disconnected family authority is transformed into a fully engaged family man. You know, it begins with his concern about well, his kids. They're not what they should be. Nannies keep putting one after the other. I need, to, I need to get a meaner nanny. I need to find the meanest nanny there is. They'll make them toe the line. And in comes Mary Poppins, the exact opposite of what he anticipated. And her entry, intervention, changes everything for him. And things are going to become new before the movie's over. And the movie ends with, anybody remember? He's taking his jacket off, flying a kite with the kids. I mean, he would never have done before. That wasn't what his life was about. Not how he understood relationships for himself. It was transformed of her intervention. And where does she go? She flies out on, on, on the wind with her, with her umbrella the same way she came in. So you're getting the type of Christ analogy here, right? Certainly the way Jesus does for us as well, only he stays. That's the difference. Well, thirdly, repentance is not saying you're sorry. It's not doing it anymore. And we live, we live in a culture that thinks it's easy to repent. All I got to do is just say I'm sorry or say this or say that and everything's going to be fine. See that all the time in our relationships, and that's what our culture teaches, we miss what the word repentance really means. The idea of fresh and new means change is required. If I want to live a changed life, I have to change my life. You get that. It's a, it's a biblical truth, but it's also it's true in any way, any way we look at it. If I want to live a changed life, I've got to change my life. And that change was I would never have flown a kite with my kids before on a work day, but I'm doing it today. You don't have to do that necessarily. But that's the change that he recognized that he needed to do, and that's the end of the movie and the new beginning for him. 
We have to change things. And we want life to change without changing our life. Are you hearing me? We want things to get better without doing anything better. We want to find the right without exploring what that right is. We want to do it in our own strength without looking to Christ for the strength that he would give us to help us see and know what that needs to look like. To respond to Christ calls for intentional change and obedience to God. And that's the third thing, and I'm doing this middle part very quickly. I want you to grab hold of these ideas because they connect with the Scripture, the kingdom of God, our our understanding of Jesus Christ, and the, the Disney movie Mary Poppins illustrates that in her story and how all that happens. Well, fourthly, leads into the rest of the message today, repentance is the door to the redeemed living, a life that moves away from the guilt and tension that defines many lives. Now, the reason that I put that in place was because in my life, I have felt guilt and tension because I have expectations of myself. I want to be a good father, good husband, good Christian, good preacher, and that often creates guilt and tension in my past for me. I feel guilty. I wasn't good enough, didn't do it well. I failed here. That didn't go so good. You know, this kind of thing. And it creates tension in how I will live that out in my own life. I think that's really a common American thing as well, that we live in guilt and tension. So what do we do about that? How do we live that way? I asked my kids uh, here, uh, a couple of my children here not long ago, that when you were growing up, and my, I have a daughter who turns 38 years old today, so my kids are well-grown, uh, have nine grandkids, and one on the way, by the way, we'll have 10 here uh, next year. We're excited about that. Uh, but, but anyway, I asked my kids, you know, I feel like when you were growing up, I might, I might have neglected you some. I was going to seminary when, you, when some of you, were, when you all were born. Uh, I was working real hard in the church and had this uh, ministry to do, and it was really a dominating thing to be a pastor, and so that's certainly under, probably understandable by most of you. Uh, I feel like I neglected you growing up. What do you think about that? Do you feel like you sacrificed as kids because your father uh, was a pastor and a preacher? And they thought about it for a while and said, you know, Dad, no. Well, we don't think that. Uh, We think that we knew you were doing things that you had to do and needed to do for the church and to leave the church. We knew that had to happen. And and, and you were always there for us and we needed you. And so we were okay with that. And, And that's their take on it as adults. My take on it is, no, I neglected them some. There were times I probably could have made better choices. And so I have guilt about that. I experienced that. Today I still have tension because I have this to do and I want to do that and I want to do that and it's more than I can do. Anybody else have tension in what you expect of yourself besides me? Anybody else have guilt because maybe you didn't live up to your expectations in the past? That is absolutely not what Corinthians or the Disney movie is talking about at all. Because we live in a redeemed place. And repentance leads us to redeemed living that moves away from guilt and tension, and that is learning to walk with God in our life, letting that story unfold by the grace of God that makes things always new, always fresh, always beginning, always turning over to the brand new. That's the promise of faith in Christ. And so it becomes about that story and how exciting that is. What if your story, and life is a story, Disney's about the story, the Bible's about the story, Christ teaches the story we are to live, illustrated with the parables, we're illustrating it now with the Disney movie Mary Poppins. What if your story ended today and that was it? No more. It's done. 
your presence in life has told a story and it's done. It's told a story in your relationships, in your family, if you're blessed with a family, in your co-workers, in your friends, your church family, your, your story's now told, it's done. What do you do? What would you do next if you could say, no, that's not the story I want to tell? And we have all kinds of stories. You know, I, I uh, did a funeral a number of years ago, and I've told this before, but I think it's important to hear. Uh, the fellow was probably about the age that I am now. One member of our church is one of these funerals. You get called, and we need someone to do this, and we, we got your phone number, and will you do it for us? And I did, and I do that for families. No connection with anybody here, so it's okay for me to tell it here because I wouldn't uh, if it was somebody that you knew. Uh, but this man had four sons, and he was in my age that I am now. They were all grown. Uh, he was still working. Uh, and um, they, I said, well, I want to meet with your family to prepare for the services. Can we meet on Tuesday or Wednesday to get ready for it? I said, no, no, we'll, we'll meet you at the funeral home, which is really hard. I don't like doing that. I want to meet them ahead of time. I don't know them. Talk about the, the, the person and uh, share how I can serve them, pray for them. They didn't do any of that. When I got there, they met me on some couches there in an Arlington funeral home around uh, uh, the entryway, and there they were, all four, all four grown men. And we sat down, and I got my note. I'm going to write out whatever they want to tell me here about their, their dad, and I was expecting them to say this or that or the other because people always have something good to say, even for fathers who aren't that great. They have that, but not in this case. The oldest said, I'm going to speak for all of us. We didn't like our father. No one else did either. And that was the end of the conversation. They said, we can't tell you anything. We will tell you that he has a, he has a co-worker who's consented to speak as well. His co-worker is going to get up and say a few words for us as well. His co-worker got up at the graveside and said he really worked hard on his job and was very good at what he did. That's all he could say. Nothing else to say. Uh, and I got up and did the best I could. <laughs> like is, Lord have mercy on all of us. That's all you can say in those kind of situations. You know, and, and he wasn't ready for his story to end. But it ended unexpectedly. And that was it. Who knew? You know, my father, I, had a, I have a very good father. He, uh, he uh, was in the military for 20-something years. Uh, grew up in New England. Uh, and his way of living was what he learned from his family there in New England, very austere, a little bit like the fella George Banks was my dad uh, growing up. He was gone a lot too because of military life in Vietnam for a year, in Korea for a year, uh, in Alaska for a year, and gone on remote assignments all the time. So he was kind of an absentee father, not because he wanted to be. His job required that. So he didn't have that much influence growing up uh, upon us. We loved him. He was a good dad, but did the best that he could. But in his 40s, he encountered Christ, who was called a lay witness mission. In that journey, he changed. Uh, he became a different person in many ways. And he, he, he began to unfold the importance of being a father for us. We were all grown by then. So as, a grown, as grown children, our grown father began to be the father we'd always thought our, would like a father to be. Uh, he began doing the things that we would want and saying the things we'd want to hear and, and, and being the, the father who would pray at the, at the meal for us when we, had, when we had Thanksgiving. He would do the prayer and uh, he'd tell us how proud he was of us and he'd begin to, to hug and shake hands and say things that he wasn't able to say before in his life. So we watched how this being in Christ made him a better father. And, and I think, what if my dad's story had ended when he was 46 or 47 instead of a few years ago when he was uh, 82? 
You know, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's great for us to hear that. Now, I'm telling you that to illustrate for you and me that the story's never done. We're still writing that story. God helps us do that. You can continue to say and make new happen for you as we experience that. And that's the, that's the truth. That's one of the truths that we learn from Mary Poppins here today, that our story can be redeemed, reconciled, made new. The old gone, the new come, the, the guilt, intention, past, walking with God, the future, and how that rewrites the story. And, and, and we have that new chance and opportunity all the time, wherever we are in our life, whatever our experience might be in our life. The, the, the catalyst for George Banks, uh, the, the real star of Mary Poppins, was three things. He didn't love his family. He wasn't doing much right, but he loved his family. He did. He loved his wife and his two children. And, and he realized somewhere in this story that, wait a minute, love means this and not this. Love looks like this and not this. His encounter with Mary Poppins taught him that. Our encounter with Christ should teach us that. Uh, he, he recognized that through her presence as she flew into his his very settled, organized, familiar life and turned it upside down, which is what he says she did for him. And her example and her teaching and her intervention changed his story dramatically from what it would have been and began to be written new for him. Okay, you get the connection with Jesus. That's what he does, right? And thirdly, he lost his job. He got fired as president of his bank. He had no choice but sit down and examine everything about himself. And he used that opportunity to do that. He could have done things different. He could have said, my life is over. It's ended. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. It's awful. Instead, he refocused. He saw things differently. He began to see his family in a new way and himself in a new way. And he allowed that crisis to change his story in a positive way and not a negative way with a new opportunity. I can fly kites with my kids in the sun here. And that's what he chose to his little girl and his little boy. A great part of that movie, if you've seen that and remember that part. So that's how we experience it. And that's something we hear and learn from in this Father's Day, Mother's Day, Parents' Day, Friend Day, Church Day, Christian following Jesus, want to walk with God way because it applies to all of us different ways for you and me. Well, here is uh, the verse again. I want you to hear it again in the context of what we've said already in this message. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah or Christ gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life burgeons. New life begins. The story keeps being written. My guess is there are days in your past you'd say, I'm glad my story wasn't written with that one, and that's not part of my life. I'm glad that's not how it went. I'm glad I had a new opportunity to get past that, right? Some may be in that situation right now and saying, you know, my story so far, I've been that great even so, and can 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 it change? Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ says, yes, it can change. It can be made new even now in every part of our relationships in life. We can write a new story, a, li- a new life burgeons. The words here in Corinthians, reconciliation. The words throughout the Disney series, redemption. The words in Corinthians again, if anyone is in Christ, 
We can see and hear things we would never see or hear otherwise because our heart's touched. I already kind of alluded to the fact that Mary Poppins was such a very successful movie and so unexpectedly so successful. Uh, Not because Mary Poppins uh, can sing great, because Julie Andrews can sing really great. She she could. Not because they had these scenes of penguins dancing with Bert. You know, not because of that. But because the, the story touched people's hearts. Right where we needed their hearts to be touched. And that's why we come to church, because that's what Jesus does. This is our hearts with grace and, and love and, and new and, and value and truth. All these things are brought to us. So hear that as well. And in that context, we recognize we don't have to do life alone, that, that Christ is in us to help us do life well and better and whole and new and, oh, yes, eternal, the good news of Jesus Christ crossed in life, death, and resurrection. And so we understand a new way of looking at life, prioritizing it new, understanding our world differently, that's brought to us. Now I'm going to move to this section of the sermon now and still keep keep in your mind about the Disney illustration, the Corinthians text. And uh, the other day I was watching, uh, I was switching channels, which is how I watch TV. My wife will tell you that I watch TV by switching channels. I don't want to know what's on TV, I want to know what else is on TV. That's what I do. That's a Jerry Seinfeld joke, so I'm gonna let, I stole that from years ago. But anyway, that's what I do. And I came to a show, won't tell you what it was, but there, there was a, a guy being interviewed on the show by some other folks who were there talking about Father's Day. So it's a very recent thing. And the fellow is Terry Crews. Now, how many here recognize the name Terry Crews? I recognize who he is. I didn't know his name. No one here recognized Terry Crews. Okay. Well, Terry Crews was a professional football player. Uh, he became an actor afterwards. He's been in many, many movies. You'd recognize him if you saw him. Uh, he, if you saw, which maybe you, did, you saw the movie Expendables, he was in both the Expendables movie as a kind of an action hero, African-American guy, big fella. Uh, he, plays, he played in lots of television series, as a typically co- comedy series. Uh, that's kind of who Terry Crews is. And that's beside the point. But he's asked about fatherhood and what being a father is. And he said some things that I thought, I had to rewind it and write them down. I want to hear those things because I want to tell you. So Terry Crews gets the credit for this. Look him up. Something about him. C-R-E-W-S. He said that children get from their fathers uh, their name. And he doesn't mean their name like my name is Ramsdale. He means their identity. That we often learn who we are from our fathers. uh, and, And that's good and bad. And as we grow and get older and older and older in our life, and I'm in that category of, of aging, that I recognize how much of my, who I am I got from my dad. Not, not as my dad when, he was, when I was a kid, but my dad the year he died as well. Not just, you know, when I was 18, but when I was a 55-year-old man. I realized how big that was for me. I learned that even more after his death, how terrific that is still today, even now. His influence still on my life for many, many reasons. So, so we get an identity from a dad, and that's simply a challenge for, for each of us. Uh, fathers, certainly, as that's a given, but also mothers. And anyone who influences other people. It's more than just being a dad that does that, so it applies to everyone. So I love that thought. Now, if I wrote that down, I would write that down. That's, that's true. And then he says, and this really fits the Disney series, uh, gets their story, a lot of their story from their father. That the story of a father is a significant part of the story of the children. 
And I realize that's true. I can't tell you my story with my, my dad being integrated into that. Even his life, how he grew up, his life on the dairy, his time as an Air Force pilot, his time in Vietnam and Korea, uh, times when we were kids. That's all part of who I am. I can't separate myself from his story. They're intertwined together. They connect. And that's a great strength for me. And how sad it would be if I didn't have that. How hard that would be. The story goes back and back and back and back and back. Why people like to look at their genetic history, who, who might come from. Who were my great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents and all the way back. And, oh, no, there's a horse thief in there, you know, for those who do that kind of genetic study. You know, we, we hear that kind of story, uh, and that's important for us to understand. And the three pieces of this, again, name, identity, story. And then the third is security, security. And not just money and shelter and food. George Banks gave all that very, very well in the Perry Poppins story. Uh, but, but love and value and care. I realize a lot of the value I feel about myself, my father gave me. My parents did. Others did as well. And certainly Jesus does. But I realize a lot of that came from my father, not just what he gave me when I was 12 or 15 or 20 or 30, but what he gave me up until he died. He was still giving me that value in my life. Mom did it as well. But today's Father's Day. But I want you to think like that with me, if you would, that, that you can give value, security to those in your life. And that's an amazing gift to give someone. And that can be simply simple as, I'm really proud of you. You know, I, I wouldn't trade you for any other son or daughter in the world. You're the one that I would, I would pick up. I could pick all a billion kids. I'd pick you, you know, little things like that. You can illustrate it yourself. I'm just giving you a couple quick snapshot ideas of that but you know we get that and and that that is I can't understate how significant that is and what that means so the story about the four guys sat down and said we didn't like our father no one else did either and you could see in their faces an emptiness and a loss that would be so difficult to ever get over you know, and we sat down with my own father and we're able to talk about him in a way very different than it would have been if he had died when he was 46 because his life had unfolded in a new, broader way and a fresher way. So you hear those three things, and that's simply a gift of fathers today and uh, for you to take hold of that, do what you want with it, and uh, not to necessarily grieve if you did not have a, a good father, and some may not have, uh, but simply say how you can influence others if you're not a dad. How you can influence others who are in your life who may not be necessarily your own children, nephews and nieces, brothers and sisters, uh, uh, friends, church kids, whatever, and how you might make that, inf- that impact today. So I, I close with that, offering you one other gift as well. Uh, a while back, uh, we uh, had a conference for men, and we gave out uh, little coins from, that's, that speak of Proverbs 2121. And the coins simply say uh, on them, uh, a, a review of that, of that series, if you pursue righteousness and love, you will find life, prosperity, and honor. I think it fits Father's Day very, very well. So we have these available for you. Uh, men in our church, you don't have to be a father to take one of these. Any men in our church can have one. Take them from somebody else if you'd like. They're on the little table right there as you leave in the narthex. Pick one up. That's for you. I have one in my pocket today. And that's kind of a gift for, for you today. And as we mark the message, the day, and this day of worship, and the, and the third of the Disney series, a few more to come as we share in the gospel according to Disney. Will you bow with me in prayer, please? Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you today for the words you've given us.
The words that speak to our hearts of, of Corinthians. Hearts touched by a, a Disney movie, the message given there. Our memories and ideas and how we experience life ourselves. God, in coming to you today, wanting it to be fresh and new. It's been great. Still make it fresh and new. It's been not so great. We, of course, God wants you to make it fresh and new. By your grace in Christ, by your teaching of us, by the words we hear from you today, you spoke to our hearts, where that carries us tomorrow. So we pray in Jesus' name, amen.